Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Professor Shoshana Zuboff. Professor Shoshana Zuboff, you will know her from that movie, uh, you know, what was it called? Social Dilemma. You saw her in that, but really you're being reductive by knowing her from that because she's the author of three books, each of which signal the start of a new epoch in technological society. What? Her most recent book, she's an epoch maker. Is this, did you write this, Jen? Uh... No, I did another oh, God's sake. <laughs> cobbling. The, yeah, the age of surveillance capitalism has been the Das Kapital of the 21st century. That's pretty good, isn't it, to write a Das Kapital for yeah. the 21st century? She's also a professor emeritus at Harvard Business School. Now that Under the Skin is on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review there. It helps us and we'll read them all out. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this podcast and all of my weekly Under the Skin podcasts, all you have to do is subscribe to Luminary on Apple Podcasts or download the Luminary app. In this part, we talk about Google always intended to be what it is and harvest personal information covertly. You'll love this conversation. It just shows that Google is steeped in corruption. And uh, have a listen. You'll love it. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category not a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. Do you think that given that it was birthed out of a the, the, this previous set of institutions, the, it, you know, its immediate predecessors, all of which that it has Frankensteined into some horrifying new reality, that the institutions that midwifed it into reality are going to have the facility or even the will to um, impede, let alone demonopolize these uh, institutions that you have described? Okay, good question. So... Um, let me just let me take a, a, a little, um, you know, a little moment to sort of explain the, the highlights of surveillance capitalism, what makes it different uh, and and also wh uh, what makes it the same. So and, and then um, let's ask ourselves, uh, you know, is this is this thing so powerful that it's going to be, you know, taken for granted as our reality for the next hundred years for the rest of the digital century or, or what? Uh, so I really like your question, you know, is this a new genome or is this somehow a, a continuation of capitalism? And the answer is both. Surveillance, capitalism, why are those, why are those two words smashed together? Uh, not for melodrama, but for a very technical point. So capitalism, which is many centuries old, has typically evolved by finding things that live outside the market dynamic and bringing them inside the market dynamic, turning them into things that can be sold and purchased. Those things are called commodities. So famously, you know, we most of us have studied at one point or another industrial capitalism, you know, all the years of the growth of the factories and labor and, um, you know, mid 19th century distinguished Britain, of course, um, as a leader in the world. So what did industrial capitalism do? Well, it found, you know, the meadows and the forests and the rivers 
and it uh, brought them into the market dynamic and it turned them into real estate land that could be sold and purchased and it turned them into uh, sources of energy uh, running rivers became sources of energy and um, in general nature itself was commandeered for the marketplace to be sold and purchased and that that was the source of raw material for industrial capitalism's power and wealth change the world so here we are tootling along into the 21st century. It's the digital century now. And most people in economics think, what's gonna to happen to capitalism? Because there's nothing left to be commodified. Everything that could be bought and sold is already being bought and sold. And it's pretty ugly, but it's true. So what the heck is capitalism gonna do? How is it ever gonna evolve again? So, here we are in the year 2000 and um, you know now suddenly there's this thing called data and uh, there are all these new little companies in Silicon Valley that figure they're gonna they're gonna make money on data but they don't know how why because there is nothing to sell there's nothing to bring into the market and turn into a commodity so picture these uh, young guys sitting around, you know, uh, we're going down. It's the dot-com bust. We're going down. Everybody's giving up. Everybody's going bankrupt. Even at Google, where, um, you know, they had very swanky venture capital investors and they were super smart guys. And everybody said they had the best search engine. Their investors were threatening to pull out because these young men could not find a way to monetize data, not quick enough for investors. So um, one day, and it really wasn't exactly one day, it was a little bit of a process, but you know, it happened in some over a period of, of months, they figured out that from uh, traces of people's browsing and searching activity, these behavioral traces that were left over in their servers. They had some folks who were playing around with these data traces left over in the servers. They considered it waste material, it was called digital exhaust. And they figured out that by systematically using these leftover traces of people's browsing and searching, they could come up with predictions of what kind of keywords these folks would look at and of you know, how long they would look and whether or not they would click on those pages to find more information, things like that. In other words, they could start to predict people's behavior online as they searched. And um, suddenly the breakthrough came, Russell, and it was completely different, but kind of the same as another century. But what made this completely different is that they suddenly understood that human behavior, human behavior could become the next virgin wood, the next completely um, unorganized territory that could be 
dragged into the marketplace and systematically uh, manufactured, which is to say computed, turned into predictions of people's behavior. And those predictions could be sold and purchased and that every advertiser would want them. Because what advertiser would not prefer to know exactly <laughs> who's most likely to look at my ad, you know, rather than just throwing that, that ad all over the place in magazines and newspapers, fingers crossed, you know, folks are going to look at it, read it, pay attention. Google came up with the Holy Grail in their black box. And they went to advertisers and said, all we want to do is revolutionize your industry. All we want you to do is sell your soul to our black block. Let me take that again. All we want you to do is sell your soul to our black box. We're going to compute, you know, like in, um, in the uh, restaurant at the end of the universe, when they finally get there, there's that big computer and it spits out the, uh, the secret of all life and, uh, and, and, the, and the message is 42. Well, it's kind of like that, you know, the, the computer gives the answer. It tells the advertisers essentially where to place their bets, where to put their ads. And it tells them, you put your ads where we tell you to, and more people are going to click on it. More people are going to click through to your, to your website. We can't tell you how we do it. We're not going to tell you how we do it. You just have to sell us your soul. Uh, forget about choosing uh, keywords, forget about putting your ads, ads where, where it's consistent with your brand values. Uh, we're going to tell you what to do. And if you follow the computer, you're going to make more money. That was how this whole thing was born. And there's this wonderful, um, it's actually a book, a fellow named Douglas Edwards, who was Google's first brand manager. And in his book, he has this recollection of Larry Page stating this insight for the first time. And the question, they're sitting around the table, literally, and they're saying, well, what business is Google in? Like, how do we even describe Google to the world? And Larry Page, who was one of Google's founders with Sergey Brin, Larry Page ruminates on this question. And he says, this is the year 2001. He says, if we did have a category, a business category, it would be personal information because everything that you do, everything that you say, everywhere that you go, every place that you've been, every aspect of your experience is going to be searchable, indexable, we will be able to know it all. And at that moment, it became clear that while Google was marketing itself as a search engine, Russell, and we thought that we searched Google, even as early as 2001, those young men understood that they had to reverse the entire process that it was not users searching Google, 
It was Google searching users. The search engine worked in reverse. And that was the source of its breakthrough insight that founded surveillance capitalism because they understood right from the start that they could not do this in a way that people would be aware of, that it had to be hidden because users would not allow themselves to be searched and lawmakers would be triggered into passing privacy laws. And so right from the start, they had something that they called the hiding strategy. Famously, if you've ever been to Google headquarters over in Mountain View, California, in the lobby, there is this, um, this kind of ticker tape and it, it's a constant viewing of things that are going through the search engine right at that moment, right? So Russell Brand's podcast and uh, Weather Tomorrow and all, all, all of the things, you know, the, 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 um, the good, the bad, and the ugly that people search on. And Douglas Edwards recounts how, again, Larry Page wanted them to dismantle that ticker tape in the lobby because he was afraid that it gave away too much of what Google could actually be learning about from everybody's searching activities. And he didn't want anyone to have any idea not citizens and not lawmakers, of exactly how much data they were able to gather and how much they were able to learn about us and predict about us from uh, analyzing, computing those data. This is, the, this is the birthplace of artificial intelligence as currently used today. So, um, so surveillance, this surveillance piece, Russell, is wholly digital century, unimaginable without the digital, unimaginable without digital technology, that, that we produce data, human-generated data, that we leave traces behind, that they can find them, that they can analyze them, all of that is unprecedented. What else is unprecedented? That, that this kind of data surveillance would be applied to aspects of our experience that until the year 2000, we considered to be private. So secretly, they invaded and extracted aspects of human experience that everyone believed were private. And because they did it in ways that were hidden, and even if you happened to find them, they were indecipherable, inscrutable, you could never know about it. Nobody knew about it. Nobody understood it. And so even though there is continuity with the history of capitalism, commodification, they did it in a way that was unimaginable literally before the year 2000. And that is what has allowed them to bamboozle, confuse, 
gaslight their way through 20 years, um, confusing and misdirecting lawmakers around the world as well as citizens. And only now, it's really only in the past approximately three to four years, Russell, that the world is waking up to the atrocities that have been committed now, not just at the very beginning, which is the original sin, but all through the various milestones that have been reached, the stages of evolution across these 20 years is a mounting narrative of atrocity and tragedy. And I'll complete the thought with one final sentence that moves back to your original question. Why should we care? Why should we be aroused? Why should we be mobilized? Why should we be indignant? And the reason is that this new institutional order has always been and is now on a collision course with democracy. Democracy is the only existing institutional order with the countervailing authority, with the requisite power to obstruct, to contradict, to outlaw surveillance capitalism. If you're enjoying this conversation with Shoshana and Old Russ, please join me over at Luminary on Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin.